Podcast. This is your host, Mike, and i got a lot of wrestling to talk about. Uh, Friday, January 4th, 2 a.m. East Coast time was the start of Wrestle Kingdom 13. Now, I happen to be working this night, but I was lucky enough. It was a dead night at work, no pun intended, and I got to watch the entire show before the end of my shift. Now, what I think is key for Wrestle Kingdom this year is that if you take out the pre-show and you take out the post-show backstage comments, they kept it to under four hours and still put on a solid show from beginning to end. I think that four-hour mark is good for the casual fan. I think it's good for... Um, for, for New Japan for wanting to break into this market over here, especially. Uh, but Russell Kingdom was, you know, it was, it was special. Like it always, like, like they wanted to be. And I, I loved it this year. I thought it was a great show. Uh, so, uh, kicking off, we had the, uh, gauntlet match for number one contendership for the never open weight six man tag team champions. And I gotta be honest, I missed the New Japan rumble. I, I liked how New Japan used to start Russell Kingdom's pre-show with the rumble. And, um, you know, they, they didn't this year. Um, anyhow, so it opened up with uh, Marty Squirrel, Hangman Page, and Yujiro Takahashi with Chase Owens in his corner, taking on Jeff Cobb, Dave Finley, and filling in for the injured Michael Elgin, Yuji Nagata. And it was interesting to see as many guys on the pre-show that were on the pre-show, but uh, the only one that's spoken out about being offended by it and embarrassed by it was Minoru Suzuki, and he... Th- basically essentially said that everyone would pay that he got put on the pre-show so yeah anyways um good solid opening uh between these two teams it was a lot of fun uh however in the end uh, dave finley got a schoolboy roll up and uh, on Yujiro for the win after a disagreement between Takahashi and Hangman Page, which then led to Chase and Takahashi walking out on them, which our our questions were answered the next night at New Year's Dash because, um, like, for me, it was, you know, Chase and Takahashi were kind of lost in the shuffle. You know, they weren't officially kicked out of bullet club they weren't officially brought in as members of the elite they just were kind of there and yeah they seemed to choose a side where they went towards scroll and hangman and the bucks and everything but at the same time nothing was spoken and then at new year's dash the next day we saw they rejoined uh tamatanga and the rest of the bullet club uh from there uh cobb finley and nagata took on hiroki goto chucky t and trent beretta and once again Finley got the pin with a schoolboy on Chucky T after he missed a moonsault. Next up, the Minoru Suzuki and the Killer Elite Squad of Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer came out, and they jumped them right at the beginning. They normally do. However, they didn't go all over the floor, and this did not last long as KES pinned Finley after a killer bomb. And then uh, out came uh, Taguchi Makabe and Toriano, and they got the win over Suzuki Goon when Yano low-blowed Smith and rolled him up in the schoolboy. So for those keeping track, that's four pins, three schoolboys. And that was the end of it. Like, I thought there was more teams in the gauntlet, but that was the end of the gauntlet. Total match time, about 28 minutes. And now we're going to see uh, Taguchi, Makabe, and Toriano challenge for the, the six-man tag titles at uh, New Year's Dash the next day. Now, we kick off the main show with a very much anticipated never open weight championship match as Kota Bushi defended against Will Ospreay. 
And again, this is a really good match. Uh, lots of fast-paced actions, lots of multiple reversals, a couple of really cool moment, moments um, where Abushi was tied up in the tree of woe. Osprey just sitting on the floor in front of him, slapping him in the face, and then reversing a top rope move. Um, you gotta see it, but... Uh, Osprey pushed Abushi, and he hit his face on the ring post. I don't think he meant to hit it that hard, but he he busted himself open. Um, not as high flying as I thought it would be. My buddy Bradford chimed in that he felt it was because of Walter injuring Osprey, and so he had to kind of alter his style. So he went with more of the the strong style. Um, however, the next day at New Year's Dash, he was doing lots of flipping and flying in that match. Uh, Abushi lost his championship. Uh, and he did a stretcher job. They did a gimmick where Abushi, well, he got a, they're saying he got a concussion. Whether he did or didn't, I don't know. But they did a stretcher job on him, which is unusual for New Japan. And uh, we got a new never open weight champion. Abushi had been champion for 26 days. Next up, we got the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships as Kanemaru and El Desperado defending against Rapunky 3K with Rocky Romero there corner and LIJ's Bushi and Shingo Takagi. Uh, not a long match. About seven minutes this one went. Um, great match, in my opinion. Uh, it was weird because apparently it was tornado-styled one fall to a finish. However, there can only be two legal competitors at a time, which I thought was odd. Um, again, very good action. Uh, once Shingo was legally tagged in, he pretty much dominated and um, uh, Shingo pins show after the last dragon for LIJ to capture the junior tag team titles. Uh, Kanemore and Desperado have been champs for a long 304 days. Uh, and I don't understand why they think <sighs> Shingo is not a junior. I understand that's where they stuck him, but man, the man is so big. He's not a junior, but whatever. Great match. Um, Next up, the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship of Tomohiro Ishii defending against Zack Sabre Jr. Had Takamichi Noko in his corner. And one of the little things they did I liked is they had Chris Roberts, the Rev Pro referee, actually officiating the match. I like these little extras, you know, at the promotions, you know, one of the home promotions referees being there in New Japan, which was cool. Also, he refereed a couple matches on New Year's Dash the next day. So good, you know, good for Chris Roberts. I can't think of another time when they've had a Gaijin uh, in a New Japan wrestling referee. I mean, sorry, a Gaijin refereeing a New Japan match that wasn't like, for instance, they've had um, Ring of Honor referee, I can't think of his name now, Todd Sinclair, uh, referee match in New Japan at the, at the Tokyo Dome for the Ring of Honor Championship before. But I never saw him referee a New Japan match like we saw the next night with Chris Roberts in New Year's Dash. And also Todd uh, Sinclair wore the Ring of Honor refereeing outfit, whereas um, Chris Roberts was wearing the, uh, the New Japan referee outfit. So, anyways. Um, man, these guys went at it hard. I mean, hard. Just beating the crap out of each other. Zack Sabre Jr. with his typical one punishing, you know, pretzel after another. And he won... He won with his finisher called Hooray, another year. Show this will be better than the last. The inexplorable march of progress will lead us to happiness. And somehow Kevin Kelly managed to save the whole thing from the moment Sabre ta- locked it on uh, right before Ishii tapped out. Uh, Ishii was champion for 82 days. Now, uh, I'm going to 
April. I'm going to New York for the big Indie Mania, as I'm calling it, uh, weekend. And Ishii is advertised for Rev Pro as champion. Obviously, he's not anymore. I'm still hoping he's going to be there. I'm hoping Zack Sabre Jr. is going to be there. I'm sitting front row for that show. My buddy Jay's never seen Sabre Jr. live. I've only seen him once. And one of the greatest matches I've ever seen live up in Orono, Maine, of all places, three years ago this month against Chris Hero. Holy crap, was that a great match. But, um, or two years ago this month, I mean, three Januarys ago. But regardless, damn, was that three years ago, actually? Four Januarys ago? Eh, you know what? It doesn't matter. Uh, at the end of the day, we got a new Rev Pro champion. All right. IWGP Heavyweight Championship, the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga and Tongaloa with Bad Luck Fale and Jado in their corner, taking on the Young Bucks, Nick and Matt Jackson versus LIJ, Evil, and Sonata. And once again, new champions in this match as well, uh, as Evil and Sonata picked up the win when they pinned uh, Matt Jackson, and the Gorillas held the titles for 96 days. This was a, another great match. I mean, Tamatanga was doing, I'm a good guy through the whole thing, you know, wants to shake hands, he's not going to cheat, he's stopping the other guys from cheating, from interfering. I mean, it was it was kind of funny. That kind of changed on... Uh, New Year's Dash, but um, it was good. We had a great finishing sequence with a bunch of multiple finishers being hit until finally Sonata hit the moonsault on Matt Jackson for the pin. And, you know, again, this is a, a big night um, for <laughs> for New Japan as far as a lot of people. This is going to be the last time we're going to see them. And at the time when I wrote my blog post, I was writing, is, the last, is this the last time? And for all intents and purposes, it really does seem like it's the last time we're going to see the likes of the Young Bucks and Cody and Hangman Page, um, maybe even Kenny Omega. Who knows? Um, because if you're listening to this, you probably already know that every title changed hand at Russell Kingdom, which was unusual. But IWGP champion Cody defending against Juice Robinson, Brandy Rhodes in his corner. Um, this was the weakest match on the card for me. There was a lot of typical Cody shenanigans in it, which I'm kind of getting tired of. Um, Brandy was kicked, uh, Once Brandy was sent back to the back and kicked out of ringside, the match stopped with a lot of the shenanigans. Again, wasn't very long. Um, pretty much uh, Juice dominated, got the pin after two pulp frictions. Um, Cody had held the title for 96 days, but this was his first title defense. Um, and it makes Juice the first two-time IWGP United States Champion. So, uh, IWP Junior Heavyweight Champion Kushida defended against Taji Shimori. Excellent match. I mean, excellent. Great combination of high-flying and mat wrestling. Uh, Ishimori does a lot of... Um, he does a lot of moves where the guys are landing on his knees, like in a lung blower type scenario or whatever you want to call it, code breaker or lung blower or whatever. But I noticed that in this match, he does a lot of moves where guys are bumping on his knees. So, um, I don't know. It can kind of be obvious when it uh, starts happening too much like that. Anyways, this might have been the match of the night so far at this point, in my opinion. Kushida had held the title for 88 days. This is Ishimori's first run with the championship. Next up, special singles match. The only non-title match. The only match on the card without a title. Uh, We got a full, cool, old-school Rainmaker entrance with his elaborate jacket, money raining from the dome, and he's back to wearing the short trunks from the pants. This match was terrific. This match really shows just how good Okada is and just how good Jay White is going to be. Um, Great 
finishing sequence, I really could not do justice. Just reversal after reversal. Okada hitting his drop kick, hitting a partial Rainmaker, going for the Rainmaker again. Jay reversing into a Blade Runner, getting the pin. I mean, it, it was just, it was a tremendous match, you know. And, and these, these guys went, um, it only went 15 minutes, 14 and a half minutes, which is short for an Okada match, but it was a tremendous match. Um, again, just awesome. Awesome, awesome. Next up, co-main event. No disqualification. IWGP Intercontinental Champion Chris Jericho taking on Tetsu Naito. Holy shit. I mean, Naito jumped Jericho right from the bell, uh, knocked him to the floor. They went all over the place. Jericho took a sick-looking pile driver on the ramp. The entranceway. I mean, ugh. and then later, Naito um, went for a dive through the ropes, and Jericho hit him in the face with a kendo stick. Uh, they went to the floor into the announce tables, and Naito took a DDT on one of the announce tables, and you could hear the table break. And Naito got stood straight up and down on his head. Oh God, it was just the the action was intense, no doubt about it. You know, with Jericho dominating, Naito dominating. Um, I loved this match. This was the best match on the night, I think. Uh, maybe, I don't know. This was, I don't know. For me, I go back to this being, to me, like, I, I, I definitely, I think, one of the best matches of the night, or if not the best match of the night. You know, Jericho held the title for 201 days. This was his second title defense. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Naito got the pin with this, with two Destinos, and he became the champion. It was it was a great match. Definitely worth going anyway to check out. Final match on the card. The IWGP World Heavyweight Championship was Kenny Omega defended against Hiroshi Tanahashi. And, uh, you know, these guys went almost 40 minutes. And this was a typical Kenny Omega match. It started slow, built to a tremendous crescendo. Uh, Tanahashi hit a high fly low for the three count to win his eighth eighth IWGP championship. Um, Mega's champion tour in nine days. He had three successful defenses. Um, it was a great match. A lot of great moments. Again, the typical slow build. That's hard for me to tell. I mean, Naito and Jericho was awesome, and this match was awesome, but they were two completely different matches, but they were both awesome for what they were, and I loved them both. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens next for IWGP. For IWGP, geez, and for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Again, all the titles changed hands. Uh, throughout the night, we got some news that was interesting. Um, uh, so, two additional shows in the United States were announced. First, we have February 2nd in Nashville, adding to the shows that they have in California and North Carolina already, two days prior. So, it gives us a, a three-day run over here in the States. And then July 6th, the G1 will be kicking off in Dallas, Texas, at the same arena that Access TV owner Mark Cuban owns and that his Dallas Mavericks are based out of. And so that makes sense that they finally have a show there where Mark Cuban owns Access TV. New Japan's United States TV show is on Access TV. And, you know, just kind of makes sense. So, Also, New Japan is pushing the MSG show like it's one of their shows and not a joint show with Ring of Honor, which is odd, because most of the time when they have New Japan, New Japan talent work like Global Wars or War of the Worlds, they're not advertised on New Japan's shows, but they're advertising this show. Now, it could be just because it's the Garden, or maybe this is, in fact, a New Japan show that Ring of Honor is just participating in. I don't know. 
All I know is that when we get there, because I'm going to this show, I certainly hope that we have a New Japan ring and setup and not a Ring of Honor ring and setup. Because that's that's what I want to see. I want to see the New Japan ring and the New Japan setup. Um, yeah, so it was a great show. It was fun. I really, really enjoyed it. And it was definitely a good way for New Japan to end their year because essentially they end their year with, with, uh, with the with the Tokyo Dome show. And then they begin their new year the very next night at New Year's Dash. And that is what uh, that is what I'm going to talk about next. So New Year's Dash took place at Corican Hall. Oh, sorry. One more thing. One of the other things that came out of uh, Russell Kingdom is that next year they're saying Russell Kingdom is going to be two days, the 4th and the 5th at the Tokyo Dome. Now, I don't know if that means that Russell Kingdom 14 is going to be on the 4th, like normal, and that New Year's Dash on the 5th is also going to be at the Tokyo Dome, because I think it's... I don't like the idea of them breaking up Russell Kingdom into two days. It's like people complain that WrestleMania is too long, because when you start the pre-show at 5 p.m. and the show gets over at midnight, that's seven hours of sitting there watching the one show, and the crowd can definitely lose themselves in that long, and I get it. I think if New Japan keeps Russell Kingdom to four hours like they do, and then have the pre-show not included in that, and then the next day, they have a big enough fan base that they could run a bigger venue than, say, Cork and Hall, uh, for New Year's Dash. I mean, they were talking about that this year um, on Jericho's podcast. He had one of the New Japan uh, journal. He had a journalist from Japan there with him that works for, has worked for New Japan and Jericho's known for years. And he talked about how they had more ticket. I mean, they, they had to turn away people from New Year's Dash. They had super sold out, no capacity, more people than normal. They had crammed in there allegedly. So uh, it would be it would behoove them to run a bigger venue than the Cork and Hall for New Year's Dash because you have all those fans that come in for the Dome show that want to go to New Year's Dash. I just don't see them selling the Tokyo Dome out two days in a row. But, who knows. Anyways, New Year's Dash, uh, honestly, this year for me, this show wasn't as good. Uh, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I have in years past, but the opening match was Show Yo and Rocky Romero over Punky 3K taking on David Boy Smith Jr., Lance Archer, and uh, Ta- uh, Azuka. And a uh, quick match with Yo getting the pin on Azuka in about eight and a half minutes with a rolling clutch. Second match was Tona Hanare and Hanma taking on Chase Owens and Yujiro Takahashi. Chase got the pin on uh, Hanare with the package pile driver in nine and a half minutes. Third match, Dave Finley and Juice Robinson taking on Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta. And finish came when Finley was, well, Chucky e. T hit Finley with a chair, or Beretta did maybe. They blamed him, but regardless, it was just another disqualification finish with Beretta and Chucky e. T kind of pushing each other at the end. Uh, they're going with this Chucky e. T losing his mind angle, so it'll be interesting to see where it continues to go because I don't know what the payoff is going to be as of yet. Fourth match, 30-minute time limit. Will Ospreay, Hiroki Goto, and Tomohiro Ishii taking on Kushida, Jeff Cobb, and Yuji Nagata. Holy Christ, was this match good. This match was tremendous. Best match of the day by far. Better than some matches from last night. They went just over 14 minutes. Will Ospreay pinned Kushida after Stormbreaker. Man, this was a good match. The mix of styles with Yuji Nagata and Tomohiro Ishii going strong style and Kushida and Will Ospreay flying around and Jeff Cobb and Hiroki Goto just being awesome like they are. I mean, this this was a great match. 
Uh, fifth match, 16-minute time limit, never 1.6-man tag team championship. And uh, Taguchi, Toriano, and, and Togi Makabe came up short in 11 and a half minutes to Ishii, Tangaloa, and Tamatanga when Tangaloa pinned Makabe after his finisher. Uh, again, uh, in this match, this is where Chase Owens and Yujiro made themselves known. Chase Owens put the uh, Makabe in a package pile driver, and then Tangaloa hit his apeshit finisher uh, to get the win, and then this is when um, Chase and Yujiro officially rejoined Bullet Club. Six match. Uh, what was it? Ten-man tag, I believe. Uh, Shingo, yeah, basically L.I.J. versus Suzuki Goon. And finish came when Tai Chi pinned Tetsu Naito and with Black Mephisto in almost 17 minutes, which was surprising because, you know, Tai Chi basically has made himself the number one contender for the um, Intercontinental Championship. And that's something I just forgot to mention. Uh, I'm just not realizing. But at uh, Russell Kingdom, the Elite lost every match that they were in, which they joked about on being the Elite the next, uh, that, you know, the next day or this week or whatever. Um... Tetsu Naito and picked up the IC title and Sonani were picking up the tag team titles and Bushi and Shingo taking up the uh, junior tags but uh, Naito as soon as he stepped in the ring took a chair shot to the head from Tai Chi where the seat broke out of it and he was pretty much dead for most of the match then tagged himself back in and uh, got himself beat so it'll be interesting to see what happens where's it going to go from there we got to see Zack Sabre and Minoru uh, double teaming people with uh, the way and only the way they can with their punishing punishing moves the way they do it I hope Suzuki is at uh, the Rev Pro show that I'm going to be at in April, because I just want to see him in person. And then the seventh match, which was the main event, this had this was the Yoshihashi comeback match, where Yoshihashi made his return. Didn't look that great. Uh, he teamed up with Okada and Tanahashi, taking on uh, Gato, Bad Luck Fale, and Jay White. And finish came when Jay White pinned Yoshihashi with a Blade Runner in 15 minutes. And then afterwards, Okada and Tanahashi took a beat down, and Jay White essentially challenged Tanahashi, declaring himself the number one contender for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And uh, yeah, so it was it was an okay it was an okay New Year's dash. It wasn't the best. It was weird. Like I thought for sure. I mean, they said that Abushi wasn't going to be there because of his concussion, so that makes sense. But I thought for sure we'd see Cody and Hangman and the Young Bucks, you know basically doing their send-off, saying goodbye. And they didn't. So that was kind of surprising to me because, you know, I mean, they've done that in the past with, like, um, Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles, all those guys got to, you know, have a a send-off in front of the fans. But So next up on New Japan Docket is the Fantastic Mania Tour with CMLL starting January 11th, running through January 21st, all over Japan. And then the New Beginning shows January 26th, 28th, and 29th. And they've already announced some match lineups for these shows. I'm not going to go over all the match lineups. But here's what's significant uh, to me, if you're a fan of New Japan, is that you have three shows in the U.S. on January 30th, February 1st, and February 2nd. And at the same time, you have a show in Japan on January 30th and on February 2nd. So I can't imagine talent working in Japan on January 30th is going to fly in 
for the states and fly back out. So that just leaves like, gee, I wonder who they're going to have on the U.S. side of things. Well, then they announced the full card for January 30th. I'm sorry, for January 29th. And it is... It's the majority of the talent from what I can see. A lot of the big big names. I mean, like, for instance, January 30th, which is the show they're doing in L.A., uh, that same night when they're in Japan, I mean, you got some young boys on the card, and... Then you got Tiger Mask, Kanemura, Shingo, Bushi, El Desperado. You got Chase Owens, Yujiro, Bad Luck Fale, Jay White, Tanahashi, Okada, Hanma, Yoshihashi, Sonata Evil, Tetsu Naito, uh, Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., Minoru Suzuki, uh, Makabe, Yano, Taguchi, Ishimori, Tamatanga, Tangaloa. Who the hell is going to be in the United States? I mean, that's basically all the top talent except for Jushin Liger uh, is already announced for this show on the 30th. Who's going to be in California that day? They haven't announced the single, anything on the card. So I don't know if they're going to get the Young Bucks to come back and, and do some shows or something, but or, or Kenny, or, or what's going on, or Ibushi, but just kind of crazy uh, that they don't have anything announced. Um, yeah. Uh, just, anyways... So you can go online to New Japan World, check out all the lineups for the uh, final matches here coming up in January for the uh, the beginning matches, the new begin new uh, the new the road to the new beginning. Jeez, I can't even talk right now. But one of the thing that's key is the fact that at a press conference yesterday, might have been the day before. By the time you're listening to this, or but anyways, uh, Kushida announced his, that he is leaving New Japan. He is officially leaving. His uh, contract expires on January 30th. His final match for them that we're aware of is going to be January 29th. And he will be main eventing the card in a special singles match against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Because in his uh, press conference, Kushida talked about, you know, after eight years, the only thing he personally hasn't wrestled that he wanted to was Tanahashi. But he feels like he's done everything he can do here in New Japan. And then it's time for him to move on to new challenges and new things. So maybe he's going to do the U.S. tour as kind of his final shows. Who knows? Anyhow, so what's uh, what's interesting is, speaking of people leaving New Japan, uh, we had the All Elite Wrestling press conference today. And at the pre- press conference today, it was officially announced that uh, the next show for... All Elite Wrestling, or the first show for All Elite Wrestling is going to be called um, Double or Nothing. It's going to be May the 25th at the MGM Grand in the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. And for those that are familiar with that building, that is where WCW hosted Halloween Havoc from 1996 to the year 2000. Um, It seats 17,000 plus people. So it'll be interesting uh, to see if they're able to sell it out or not. Then they also announced a no date, but they're going to be returning to Jacksonville for a show in Jacksonville after that. So it's interesting to me that the next their, their first show isn't until May, which I get. They want to take things slow. They want to do it right. But does that mean we're not going to see the Young Bucks or Hangman or Cody uh, wrestling anywhere between now and May? 
because uh, they did the big thing. They had the big show uh, contract signing that they showed online and then on the new episode of Being the Elite. One of the things that Nick says, which I I thought was kind of interesting, he talks about this being a five-year deal. This AEW contract that they're all signing, or at least that he's signing, is a five-year deal. So does that mean they're not wrestling anyplace else? Because the press conference today, they didn't really announce anything other than um, the date and the location of the of the next show. Um, they announced the fact that they signed Britt Baker. Uh, MJF came out and cut a promo, which was really cool. Um, Conrad Thompson was there kind of hosting with another guy. I'm not familiar with Mark something or other. Conrad also announced StarCast 2 taking place during Double or Nothing weekend. So I don't know if StarCast is going to be involved with them as a host or commentator or whatnot. Maybe he's just going to be a stick man. I don't know. But uh, while J- MJF was cutting his promo, Joey Janela came out and hit him, from, hit him from behind with his crutch. And Penelope Ford was with him. They announced that they were also all elite. All in with all elite. So they have signed, which... I read recently on Joey's Twitter that he and Penelope broke up, so it's interesting to see them back together as, you know, they're they're known to be a working relationship together, so maybe that's just what it is. Who knows? Uh, the uh, Hangman came out and cut a promo and talked about how he wanted to be the first uh, AEW World's Heavyweight Champion, which led to Pac coming out, and Pac came out in his gear, which was awesome, and basically says, I'm a champion. He held up his belt, and he said that he wants to be the first AEW World Champion. And basically, they had a great stare down between the two, so obviously, they're going to be wrestling each other at uh, double or nothing, I would assume. Uh, and then... Chris Jericho closed the show by coming out and announcing he was part of AEW and that he was going to be at Double or Nothing. And interesting enough, WWE has already taken him off their website. Chris Jericho's uh, pro- uh, profile they had up there in the alumni section, I guess. Um, no word on Kenny Omega. He didn't make an appearance. He didn't come out. Nothing's been officially said. There's been tons of rumors that he was offered the world by WWE for a long-term deal, and he didn't take it. Um... Also, allegedly, Marty Skrull's contract with Ring of Honor ends at the end of April, which is interesting because, I mean, if the first show for Double or Nothing is not until May, that could leave Marty not re-signing with Ring of Honor and instead going to AEW, which I would imagine would happen. Uh, There's a bunch of talent that also uh, ends in April. Uh, Typically, that's when WWE does a lot of spring cleaning, so maybe that's why they're not doing the first AEW show until May. All I know is that, like, I can't imagine the Young Bucks and and Cody and Hangman not wrestling between now and then. Also, sorry, SGU officially announced that they were signed, but that was already obvious. So, um, I can't imagine those guys not wrestling between now and then, so maybe they'll still do some spots from New Japan. Uh, there's talks that you know New Japan's going to continue their deal with Ring of Honor, but that Kenny Omega's trying to work it out so he can work both New Japan, AEW, and AEW. Um, I know I would love to see uh, Cody and uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Hangman all at some of the WrestleCon shows I'm going to be at because I just love to see them wrestling live in person. The Young Bucks are the best in the world today at tag team wrestling, in my opinion. So anytime I have a chance to see them wrestling in the ring is an awesome time for me. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, uh, that was what came out of the AEW press conference today. Alright, so, also on January 5th, other than New Year's Dash, NWA Pro Wrestling presented their pop-up show, uh, which they called New Year's Clash, took place in Clarksville, Tennessee, and they had a uh, 
sold-out venue of 1,150 people basically there to witness the event. Uh, that day, they also announced the return, or they announced one of the new competitors again for the return of the uh, Crockett Cup. And uh, I'm excited about the Crockett Cup. It's going to be in uh, Carolinas, which is where it should be. I think my buddy, my buddy Brandon's going to go to that, which I'm very jealous of. But, uh, you know, that's... That's the way it is. Anyways, uh, six, seven matches on the card. Uh, in the opening match, Max Stardom defeated Jeremiah Plunkett. And then the War Kings of Crimson and Jack Stane with Road War Animal defeated Caleb Conley and Jay Bradley to qualify for the 2019 Crockett Cup. Uh, Crazy Skeed, Steve defeated Sam Shaw. Uh, Allie defeated Jazz, the NWA Women's Championship, by disqualification, so Jazz is still the champ. Uh, David Arquette and Tim Storm defeated the Kingdom of Josephus which was Josephus and the Spiritual Advisor and a tag team match where David Arquette and Josephus' hair was on the line and Josephus had his head shaved. Uh, very interesting to watch. I, I actually, uh, David Arquette tweeted something about uh, Josephus actually donating his hair to Locks of Love, which it was long enough for, so if he really did, that's that's a solid move. Uh, Willie Mack defeated Matt Cross to retain the NWA National Heavyweight Championship, and in the main event, Nick Aldis with Camille defeated James Storm to retain his NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. And uh, coming up at the Ring of Honor show in Concord, North Carolina, or no, uh, at center stage in Atlanta, that is, uh, Nick Aldis will be defending the NWA Championship against PJ Black. So we already know who the next uh, contender is. And it's actually this Saturday, January the 12th, at center stage in Atlanta, Georgia. And then, of course, uh, we had the pay-per-view on Sunday night. Uh, Impact's homecoming pay-per-view. I actually did watch this uh, event, and it was tremendous. Uh, well, it, wa- it was the first Impact pay-per-view that I'd wanted to watch in a long time. And I'm actually glad I did. It took place from the Asylum in Nashville, Tennessee. So it was, that's why they called it Homecoming. It was on Sunday night, January the 6th. Eight matches on the card. Uh, Ultimate X match was pretty solid. With Rich Swan defeating Ethan Young and Jake Crist and Trey Miguel to win the vacant uh, Impact Wrestling X Division title. Uh, Ali and Sue Young defeated Jordan Grace and Kara Hogan by submission in a tag team match. Uh, it was a great tag team match, actually. Uh, Eddie Edwards defeated Moose in a Falls Cut Anywhere match. Pretty solid match there. Uh, Sammy Callahan defeated Willie Mack in a singles match, to the, but the NWA national title was not on the line, nor was it even in the in, in the building. Uh, Eli Drake defeated Abyss in a Monsters Ball match. This was okay. Um, Drake uh, took a beating. He took a nasty thumbtack bump that I loved. Abyss is like the last original guy in Impact Wrestling. I mean, he was basically, he's basically been there since day one. He's the only guy really on the show that's still there. Um, I mean, front or back office, it was cool hearing his music when he came out. And, you know, he's 45. But he doesn't, he's not moving like he's 45, so that's good. Uh, Holy Christ. Uh, This was definitely the match of the night, and just if you get a chance to see this match live, I know House of Glory is going to be having it in February, but the Latin American Exchange, Ortiz and, and Santana defeated the Lucha Brothers, Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. in 11 and a half minutes uh, to retain the Impact World Tag Team Championship. Uh, this match was so good, my words cannot describe it properly. 
Uh, Taya Valkyrie defeated Tessa Blanchard to win the Impact Knockouts Championship. Gail Kim was a special guest referee. This match was just meh, and it wasn't Blanchard's fault, actually. Why it was just meh. And then the main event, Johnny Impact against Brian Cage. They went 20 minutes, and uh, Impact got the win over Brian Cage to retain the title. It was this this match was decent. I really enjoyed it. Um it wasn't the greatest match on the card, uh but it was a solid match. Uh you know, I I think Brian Cage finally, you know, got his just due main eventing the show. Um interesting to see Johnny Impact and his wife both with the uh, the top titles. I don't know if that's ever happened before in a big promotion like that. But, you know, Impact put on a great show. Uh, good commentating crew, good wrestling, uh, good setup. I mean, it, it was a great show. I, 40 bucks is a little steep for a pay-per-view. I know they only do four pay-per-views a year, but if you look at the fact that's four months of WWE Network, that's four pay-per-views plus specials, plus, 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 plus. I think Impact's going to have to, unfortunately, come up with a new price point just because of what, you know, you can get New Japan for 10 bucks a month and get all their shows. You can get WWE for 10 bucks a month, get their pay-per-views and all their TV specials and everything. Yes, you're not getting weekly TV, but still, uh, 40 bucks is just a little much. Um, however, uh, for those that don't have cable like myself and don't have uh, Pursuit Channel, you will now be able to watch Impact Wrestling every Friday night at 10 o'clock on Twitch. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, that's a good move for Impact Wrestling to get uh, to get them their Friday night show on Twitch for those of us who can't watch it any other way. All right, I know the show is going a little bit longer than I planned, but you know sometimes that's just what happens. And I would be remiss if I didn't sit here to talk about NXT Takeover Blackpool before we go. So I'm going to talk about it. So the card is set. Uh, the at the Empress Ballroom in Blackpool, England, January the twelfth. I believe it's got a three p.m. start time, U.S. time. I could be wrong. Only four matches advertised on the card, but you know you'll see at least one more. About added uh, at showtime coming up this week. Uh, and yes, we still have a couple. We still have uh, this Wednesday's shows to do to to go through before we get there. But uh, here's what we got: we got Dave Mastiff against Eddie Dennis in a no disqualification match. Should be decent. We got Rhea Ripley defending the NXT UK Women's Championship against Tony Storm. I think we're going to see a new champion there. We got Mustache Mountain taking on the Grizzly Young Veterans. Uh, Trent Seven and Taylor Tyler Bate taking on James Drake and Zach Gibson to become the inaugural NXT UK Tag Team Champions. I certainly hope Mustache Mountain get the win. I, I think they deserve the honor. Not that the Grizzly Young Vets don't, but they've just been there longer than these other two guys have. So I think they deserve the honor of being the first ever NXT UK Tag Team Champions. And then the main event match, the singles match for the WWE United Kingdom Championship, uh, Pete Dunne taking on Joe Coffey. Whoever saw the contract signing last week saw that Coffey put Pete Dunne through a table. So Pete Dunne's obviously not going to be happy about that. I don't see Coffey getting the win. Pete Dunne's going to be champion for just over 600 days by then. And to me, Joe Coffey's not the guy that's going to end that run. Unfortunately, I think the guy that is going to end that Pete Pete Dunn run is going to be Walter, and I I hope and I hope that they wait until after Pete Dunn's been champ for two years. I think that's that's a feat that nobody's done since Hogan. As a matter of fact, nobody's done 
Nobody's had a singles run like Pete Dunne has had since Hulk Hogan won the, his first WWE championship uh, back in nineteen uh, back in the nineteen eighties for his first run. No one's had a title reign that long. Um, I don't see Pete Dunne going to be a three-year champion. I don't see him going to be a four-year champion. I'd love it if he was at least a two-year champion. But who knows? Who knows? I mean, you know, uh, Triple H could be like, hey, we're just getting started. You're our guy. We're going to keep pushing you. Maybe Pete Dunne will hit that three-year mark or hit that two-and-a-half-year mark. I I, I don't know. But right now, I don't see Joe Coffey as being the guy that's going to end that run. If If he does, I'm legit going to be pissed off. So, But anyhow... Uh, I guess the only other thing I want to talk about uh, before signing off tonight on this week's episode is the fact that tomorrow, uh, which is July the 9th, uh, 2008, 2019, uh, Russell Cade tickets go on sale. Uh, Russell Cade weekend this year is going to be November 29th and 30th and December 1st. And you really can't pass up, you know... uh, this this three day pass row one VIP. Listen to this. It's hundred and fifty bucks. They do a payment plan, actually as well, if you need to do one. But they do a payment plan. It's hundred and fifty bucks. Russell Cade weekend three day uh, row one VIP pass includes one general admission ticket to the Showcase of Champions events on Friday, uh, November twenty ninth at the Benton Convention Center. This is. A $20 value, according to them. Uh, you get admission to both FanFest Saturday and... Yeah, admission to both FanFest on Saturday, November 29th, and the Russell Cade Super Show pay-per-view on Sunday, November 30th. You get uh, first access to the Russell Cade FanFest autograph area. We'll be able to get autographs and photos from some of your favorite wrestlers. Uh, you get 10 a.m. entry, 30 buck value. You get a guaranteed ringside row one VIP seating for the Russell Cade Super Show pay-per-view, which this ticket alone is 140 bucks. So for $10 more, you're getting a whole shit ton more stuff with it. You get a general mission ticket to the To Be Determined Live Q&A session on Sunday, December 1st. Uh, doors open at 9.45 a.m. Event begins at 10.15 a.m. One general mission ticket to the To Be Determined Live Wrestling Event on Sunday, December 1st. Uh, a doors open at 12 p. 12 p.m. First match at one. One general mission ticket to AML Wrestling Live event on Sunday, December first, and an official Wrestlecade weekend VIP commemorative button. I mean, seriously, for all those things, you get tickets to the Friday night show. You get a front row ticket to the Super Show. You get tickets to two shows on Sunday: the afternoon show and the evening show. Granted, three of those shows are of general mission, but it doesn't matter. You can upgrade and buy yourself a front row ticket if you want, but the fact of the matter is, for 150 bucks, you're getting four wrestling show tickets, you're getting tickets to the convention, you're getting front-of-the-line access, you're getting early entry, um, yeah. Uh, plus, you get a ticket to the live Q&A. It's, it's well worth doing. It's absolutely well worth doing. So, those go on sale tomorrow. Do yourself a favor. Go you go to Russell Cade. I myself would be going to Russell Cade this year, but I can't because I'm going to Indie Mania in, in April, and I can't do both in one year. Maybe next year. Maybe in 2020, I'll go to Russell Cade and meet up my buddy Brandon down there. Anyhow, that's it for me. Uh, don't forget to, if you're in Maine or in New England, this Friday night, the 11th of January, uh, Limitless Wrestling returns to Westbrook. You don't want to miss that show. I probably am, sadly. And July, January the 19th, 
Let's Russell is going to be in Orono with the Let's Russell Rumble, a 30-man Royal Rumble match. I will be there. I already have my front row tickets. My son's 13th birthday is the night before. So, anyhow, that's it. I got nothing else to talk about. I'm sure I could talk about wrestling all day long. I mean, hell, I sat down and I watched uh, some of the Macho Man Randy Savage unreleased uh, DVD today. Uh, I've been watching some High Spots Network as my last day is tomorrow. I got a month to watch Russell to get to the uh, Cage of Death 20. I, I think I might buy Progress, a month of Progress tonight, because I want to watch their unboxing show with the main event of Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate. So that's really not all I have to say about wrestling. But that's all I'm going to say about in this episode of the Wrestling Insomniac. Uh, thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at SuperstarML. Don't forget to check out the WrestlingInsomniac.com. And I don't know. I'm pretty impressed. In fact, I'm a one-man show, and I just managed to talk for 44 minutes. Till next time.